Hello and welcome to the SEO Sprint podcast. I've got Tori and Heather with me today. Um, so, Tori and Heather, could you please introduce yourselves and what you currently do? I'm Tori Gray. I'm the CEO of The Gray Dot Company. It's a boutique uh, SEO consulting and data company, and we like doing technical and strategic fun projects with wonderful clients. Cool. I am Heather Kawishian, and I lead the product management team for the Gray Dot Company. Awesome. By the way, Heather, I I could I I try. I was going to introduce you to your name, but uh, I saw your email when we first, when you first emailed, and I was like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, that's a cool name, but no, I, I can't say that. It's all the vowels. <laughs> yeah, cool name. You have to explain awesome. the Star Wars connection, Heather. Like that's one of the first ways I learned to say it right. No, so I, we have a son named Lachlan, and uh, we almost named him Lando, so it would be Lando Kawishian. Uh, <laughs> yes! But that will help you remember how to say it, right? Yeah, right. That's, that's definitely helped me already. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, that's so, uh, okay, right. In terms of how you got into SEO, let's start with a nice icebreaker. Tori, how did you get into, into SEO? Uh, so I'd say like most SEOs, I fell into it. So I went to school for PR and knew I didn't want to do that. Um, I think I was trying to get like a marketing degree without having to do accounting, which in retrospect was an idiotic idea because that would have been very useful, but it was scary in college for some reason and I avoided it. And, uh, yeah, but I wanted to go into marketing and I was applying for lots of different marketing roles and I happened to get a role in internet marketing whatever that was, because that was not something that was taught in my college. And I figured it out from there. And that's incidentally how I met the lovely Heather, because she hired me. Wow. Oh, wow. So you have a, sorry, you have a, a connection. Oh, that's cool. We're all the way back from, oh, that's so nice. That's so cool. Yeah, my first job out of college. She, like, she took me to <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> For me, um, I, so when I was in school, um, it was a little bit before Tori, and uh, it was really internet marketing was completely brand new. Um, I was majoring in marketing information systems, which at the time was a lot of statistical modeling, um, and they were just barely talking about internet marketing. Um, but I did know that I really was interested in what that was and that technical side um, working on website builds, things like that. So uh, when I graduated, it was 2002. So dot-com bust had just happened and I'm looking for internet marketing jobs. And um, this little startup, Custom Inc., actually worked out for me. And, um, and my dad said, don't take that job. All these dot-coms are failing, you know? And I was like, stuff it. We're going to do good things. And um, and so we did. And it was a really amazing opportunity because um, I got to grow and learn on the job as Custom Inc. grew and just totally exploded and took off. It was, it was a very fun experience. Amazing. Okay. So we're going to jump slightly from when you start to SEO to when you started in product. So again, how, same question, but this time around product, how did you get into being product manager or move into a product team? On my end, uh, the answer is similar. I fell into it accidentally. This was, um, you know, I had recently left where Heather and I were working together and I had moved to Colorado for the first time and I was working at a, another web development agency doing more SEO work. And I was working in depth with engineers all the time. And so it, both places, it was just because it was an engineering firm, it was engineering heavy, and that's where I spent the majority of my time. So there was a role, an SEO role. I didn't know what more than that uh, at Craftsy. And they were an awesome startup. And they, you know, they had, they, they had a lot of designs. They had a lot of plans. They experimented a lot, like a lot of startups. So they were modeling after Amazon. So Amazon, I think, to my knowledge, was one of the few places do, having an SEO product manager at that time. And they wanted a technical skill set and an ability to work with engineers um, to make the technical um, integrity of the site great. So I, yeah, I fell into it. <laughs> Once again, story of my life. <laughs> For me, it was really a um, kind of slow shift uh, when I was working at the agency. Um, 
with Tori, I was overseeing marketing and eventually started overseeing the project management team. They did project management and client services. Um, and so that's when I really got a taste of working with clients, figuring out what they want to build, you know, kind of scoping out these features, giving them ideas. And I really enjoyed that part. I did not enjoy so much the part of actually having to project manage, you know, bribe developers. Um, that that wasn't really uh, what I wanted to go into. So that's when I kind of got a feel for, ooh, what is this kind of product management thing? Um, so I ended up um, deciding that I wanted to kind of break out on my own. Um, and I took a contract job where I was... Um, the director of marketing and product management, they were releasing a new job board software. Uh, so I took on, they were just at kind of the middle stages of development on that. Um, so I took on wrapping that up um, getting their MVP out and, um, and the marketing launch for that. While at the same time, I had this passion project of my own. It was customsong.com uh, and it was a place to create custom songs for special events, you know, weddings, anniversaries, things like that. Um, you pick your artist and style and get your very own song created. Uh, it was a really fun um, time. I sat down and I created a prototype. I created a hundred plus, you know, page specification document um, and then set out finding my investor and who was going to build this thing. And, uh, and so I was really doing product management for myself uh, and getting, you know, really getting into the weeds with it, with that. Um, that was a fun ride. That site's no longer around. Um, the pandemic happened and we kind of shut down. Um, but it was, it was a great journey. And so from there, that's when I, um, between that contract position and doing it for myself, really just started to change my career entirely into product. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I, I have like, I know I've got a set of questions in front of me, but I have like a million questions. So I think we're just going to jump into the, the interesting questions. So Heather, in terms of, I want to jump on uh, custom song uh, because I know from building this newsletter, building my course and trying to build your own thing, very different to, although you do learn a lot of stuff along the way when you're building for others, building for yourself is is an interesting set of skills, right, that you learn. Can you just Absolutely. take us through that, that building that MVP the minimal viable product? Like, what is it that you built? So uh, what I built was um, a platform that brought together artists and customers. So I wanted it to be something that was mostly automated in the experience. So the customer would come and they would, you know, be able to browse by you know, genre or song type. Do you want somebody that does guitar and vocals, piano and vocals? You know, you want a full band experience? You know, and then they would enter in their details. There would be some prompting questions about, you know, the event or the person that they're they're planning their song for. Um, and the system went through a whole process, um, pretty hands off of, you know, when the lyrics were ready, a draft would be delivered to the customer. The customer had an approval process. They would approve that and then the song would be created in a little custom page for them to present their song would be delivered to them. And I really, you know, the idea for this was based off of somewhat of my experience with Custom Inc. because uh, that was, you know, one of the most rewarding times uh, in my career because we were creating these t-shirts for people and, you know, mugs or other things that really just added to their event. And people were overjoyed with, oh, our t-shirts look so bright and we all had so much fun and it just kind of brought this unity to them. And, um, and so that experience of, you know, going through growing customing with, you know, design online and the approval process, I, you know, I had a lot of hands on. So a lot of that inspiration came from there wanting to be in that um, special event space again and having a product that I can deliver for that. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting and long process because on the one side, you're setting up all of the business aspect of it. How's this going to work? Who are these musicians that I'm going to work with? Cause I can't carry a tune for the life of me. You know, um, how are we going to make that all work? And then on the technical side, actually building this platform so that I could, you know, have something that was mostly automated and didn't need too much of my time other than some customer service. So 
it was it was a lot to manage and juggle, but it it was out there. <laughs> out of interest, what were your what was your biggest technical problem? What was your biggest business problem? Um, so there, I mean, probably just in the technical problems is that, you know, everything you build is going to be really buggy on first release. And so, you know, when you're a startup, there's not a whole lot of budget to necessarily fix those bugs. So, you know, I kept a lot of, you know, process guides. Um, so when I had anybody who, you know, was working on it, they would know what to do for these crazy workaround hacks. And if this happens, then you need to click in these 10,000 different places and do, you know, rather than just having the bug fixed. There was a lot of workarounds. Um, the other thing is keeping up. So we launched Custom Song in 2013. And, you know, between 2013 and 2020 there was you know technology explosion you know as has been happening so keeping up our you know my backend cms system became outdated you know my site was not very mobile friendly anymore you know my seo wasn't even great anymore so it was like trying to once you launch something it's not done right you've got to always be building it and so that was probably the biggest hurdle is how do I continue, you know, building that and improving that and refreshing. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, my time at DeepQuill definitely taught me that there is, there's, there's always books, like always, even, even if you've improved the system a hundred times, there's always some problem always that, in fact, I, I learned that there's actually like this book that you just, you just, you just live with. In fact, there's, there's every single yep. system ever built has a bug like it's, it's it's just it's just like i think we had a document where it's like yeah these are the bugs like there, there was a the classic one was the barry adams indexing versus indexation like naming convention and the in the navigation <laughs> and we knew it was we knew it was wrong but the the effort to right the name sorry barry for listening the effort to fix the name was too much we were like no sorry it's, it's definitely a bug because he's fixing but we're not we're not fixing it because there's, there's no there's no financial, you know, benefit yeah. for it, right? And everyone yeah. knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it hard to, to justify that change. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's just a, it was just one of those funny ones that was it's just like just that I've got lots of little stories like that where everyone has nitpicks at, at the system. Totally. But it's like no, not really. Well, that's where like, you know, when um you know, you're looking at your backlog and it's full of, you know, lot of bugs. Bugs definitely fill up a backlog very quickly. And that's where, you know, I say never say never does not apply to a backlog. Like there are just things that I'm never going to get to that we are not going to do. Right. And so we have workarounds, not enough people are complaining about it, whatever it may be. Um, there are times where you just have to say, all right, bug, we live with you forever. You know? <laughs> yeah. We, we acknowledge you, bug. It's fine. <laughs> cool. So T Tori, you also worked at a startup, Craft Craftsy. Mm -hmm. Am I getting that right? Yep. Uh, and you're saying, and you said that you started there when they wanted someone to help them scale their system. Yes. So they had very recently set up their own two different UGC programs. So in addition to, it's an online education platform, or yep. um, and but it was focused on the crafting place. So a, you know, an under-targeted audience, like people aren't servicing the these people. Um, and they came up with this amazing platform where you could go watch these videos and learn and timestamped like questions. It, it was really amazing and innovative. Um, but as a part of that, in promotion of that, they had created um, patterns. So if you're knitting, you need patterns, right? You can sell them on Etsy, but you could also sell them on Craftsy and they wouldn't take a commission. So it was a great program and a way for people to have to sign in. And we gave, you know, we helped those creators and we also got email addresses that we could start, um, you know, working that email system because email was amazing for us. Um, they also had projects so users could, um, you know, whether they made it from a pattern or whether they made it from a class, they could show off what they made and they could really have that surprise and delight, show off um, and celebrate this thing that they made that was beautiful. So suddenly they had a lot of traffic and they had to figure out what the heck to do with it, how to leverage it, um, how to turn that into business value, how to keep growing traffic and not have it cause any SEO pain, right? Because UGC, one of my great loves of SEO is kind of a, a two-sided beast in that 
wow, that's a lot of amazing content, but some of it's going to be really thin, crappy content or, you know, by SEO terms, that doesn't mean it's crappy overall. It's useful to users and they love it, but you know, search engines can't understand it because maybe it's just a picture and maybe it's got a two name title and it just doesn't have enough information for search engines to understand what the value is and what it is. So they had this problem, they needed to solve it. And that was me. So take us through, can you take us through how you solve some of those problems? Like in terms of like planning, managing and executing and helping Craftsy. I, I, I don't want to say Etsy, I would say Craftsy. Yes, you're doing it right. You're just not Spotify trusting yourself. Spotify and Shopify, yeah, Spotify and yes. Shopify. Uh, take us through that that process. Because you, you've had many, you went product manager, marketing manager, product manager, SEO, product manager, growth. So yeah, I mean, classic startup, like everything evolved. There was <laughs> testing new things. There was like, oh, you know, part of that was we fixed and we had, you know, a baseline of what we felt like within the first year of technical comfort. And then, you know, we felt the growth opportunity was in content. So helping train the editorial teams and the freelance writers and then shifting back to, you know, growth. And that was a little bit more marketing operations in addition to the SEO piece. So there, there's a lot of jumping around, but but what I did to start was... And I'm probably going to say this too many times in this episode, everything was about scale. So how could I scale me in my skill set? And how do I train other people and build relationships and help them, you know, understand the incentives of why they'd want to? So there was the working cross-functionally and building those relationships, like the, the strategy side of how to do it. And then there was also the technical implementation of how do I build something where to Heather's point earlier, I don't have to keep coming and managing constantly. Um, you know, if we're building manual flags for me to go in on the CGC and say like, oh, index or don't index, that's not a sustainable system. So what we had to work on was figuring out how to, you know, flag things. So how do we, for one, start with better optimization? How can we use, collect the right fields, collect the right information, um, enable people to want to do that, perhaps uh, require certain fields. Um, and then, you know, you have to balance that well, because people are going to submit less if you make them do more work. So that was something we tested into. And then it was, you know, as soon as they were optimized as, as we could make it, then it's, okay, well, how much did you do? Did you fill in more than X characters in this open description field, for example? So we could set automatic, words are hard, uh, automatic flags to say, hey, if you only submitted two words, cool, thank you for submitting it, but we're not really going to index you um, because search engines don't understand and see the value and we don't want to waste their time. So it was working with the engineering team to say, hey, this is the problem. How can we build this sustainable solution? And then also, how can we build in overrides? Because of course, someone's going to upload this project that's amazing that only has two words, but they're proud of it and they share it around and suddenly it's got 20 amazing links and you want the value of that. So it, it was a lot of how do we do an 80-20 solution um, and get the most value and then boop, little, there's my <laughs> one override where it matters and then we can ignore the rest. Out of interest, how many projects did you actually release? As in, say you had 10 initiatives and maybe in each initiative there's tasks and things to do. How many of them did you get done, say, over an average of maybe six months? Because I, I feel like sometimes there's a, a misunderstanding of when we things get done it's like oh cool we did three things but those three things mm-hmm. are like the most important 80 20 rule you just said mm. around actually getting things done so i'm interested i know it's a startup so you might be able to get done a lot more than maybe an enterprise but yeah. i'm just interested how much how much did you get done in terms of um I mean, so mine was a different experience. One, because it's a startup. And two, because one of the four founders was just personally very interested in SEO. So I just had a pipeline. You know, for the first year, I didn't have to figure, I didn't have to sell that in, right? So that was beneficial in that I could get things implemented and I could show results. And then I could build trust that I knew what I was doing. But also I kind of kicked the can out on actually learning how to, build a roadmap and shop it around because I could just, hey, this is what I want to do. This is most important. Go. On roadmaps, Mm -hmm. as you've said the word roadmaps, I will zoom in on them. You've obviously both done projects at different companies um, as product people. How have you communicated or built roadmaps in that product environment? Just take me through that. So for... Yeah. So for me, um, you know, building the roadmap, it, um, 
it really comes from a lot of places. So your feature requests, they could be internal features that, you know, accounting needs some downloadable spreadsheets of some sort. They could be features that customers are saying, you know, we really need to be able to do social login for our users. Um, it could be things that, you know, marketing's doing, they need some sort of landing page generator, whatever it is. So your features are just kind of coming from all of these different places. You know, you've got your innovation, you've got your internal users, your external users. So what I always did was I would have um, buckets for those things. So I knew how much we could complete in a sprint or in our program. And, um, and so I would reserve a certain amount of time. Maybe we're going to do 20 or 30% for what our customers are asking for. We're gonna do 40% of features and the rest we're gonna to do to you know, eliminate technical debt or set us up for success technically in the future. Because that's another big thing that people forget too is that you need to reserve space in your roadmap for those things that are not sexy, right? Those things that are, okay, we're gonna start building a platform to do an API so we can integrate with these other products. Well. When you're building that API, you're going to have six months or a year that's like nothing to show for it, right? Um, but once that connection's there and you're able to start partnering with other you know, software companies, then it's a, a lot of quick wins will follow that. Um, so you definitely always have to be thinking about you know, that back end. How do I set us up technically for you know, future success and easy wins? And then also how do I continue to eliminate technical debt as I move forward? We can't just be build, build, build all the time. Um, so I have those different kind of buckets for my roadmap. And then my roadmap is usually organized by lanes where it depends on what the business goals are. Is it customer retention? Is it revenue growth? What, you know, what is the, the business goals? And then I take those features that have come from our customers, from our innovation, from wherever, and I organize them by what our internal goals are um, into those lanes. So to really start the roadmap, I'll have my, you know, 1,000 features, you know, whether they've been requested by others or their ideas that have come from the product team. And we, um, we do what is called weighted shortest job first. And this is a methodology that I learned using Scaled Agile. So the Scaled Agile framework, uh, also known as SAFE, is what's used for large organizations that have um, multiple product lines or multiple teams, multiple softwares that they're trying to um, make more uniform. So the one of the great things about that, um, and I can go into SAFE and how that works um, uh, in a lot more detail if you're interested, but um, so one of the great things is the weighted shortest job first. So what that does is it puts a business value on each of these. So it's looking at what is the opportunity, what is the risk, what is the level of effort, and it helps you calculate. You put numbers to all of these things and it helps you calculate what is going to deliver the most business value in the shortest amount of time. Um, and so we would take all of our features and we would create um, business cases, simple business cases. You know, how much is this going to cost to build? How much are we expecting revenue to drive from it? Or how much will it improve internal operations? You know, we would put our business days together, the why, you know, the what and the why of what we're doing. And we would do the weighted shortest job first, make the calculation, whatever floats to the top in each of my buckets and lanes, that's what kind of goes on my roadmap. So then we would plan from there based on, okay, I know I have so many story points that I'm able to do in this given amount of sprint, you know, and you kind of fit it together like a puzzle. Wow. Yeah. Um, I like the buckets feed into the stra the strategy or the problem because I actually split a lot of SEOs focus on like the growth strategy, you know, like building out pages. What's fascinating is actually more than I I kind of think of like problems and then you 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 every business has a problem. Like when you scale eventually you'll hit feature problems where like like Tori just said, you can't scale it because the, the system can't manage all the content well quality and indexing right that happens with enterprise companies so for me there's i like what you've just said there because it kind of vibes with that i think but i also like i like the fact that you're focusing connecting what the business wants with the actual roadmap and i fit i find there's usually four strategies which is growth which is the traditional seo growing 
features, which is like building technical SEO, like system things, which Tori just mentioned about with Craftsy. There's expansion, which is like international SEO. And then there's um, processes, which I think a lot of people don't get sometimes. It's like, yeah, we could get the content team or the devs to do all this stuff, but actually there's no documentation or processes to do it, to keep it going after it's, after you, like Tori just said, 80-20 rule, right? You can do all those things, but your roadmap, it needs to tackle a problem, which then connects to the company strategy or the company goals. And there's more than one way to go about it. Um, so that was, that's interesting. How did you present that strategy? That, sorry, that roadmap. Uh, so um, I used product plan for my actual roadmap that was out there. But um, so it started with the business cases. Um, I usually just make a, um, you know, PowerPoint presentation, one slide per uh, per business case. And I would show that to executive leadership. Here's my business cases, you know, they're what, why we're doing this. Um, and then from there, we would build the, the roadmap into product plan. Product, uh, sorry, just for say, product plan is a, a tool uh, that if you yeah. Google it, any, any product related term now, they've made a glossary, so they rank for like every product related term. Yes, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really easy to use roadmapping tool. Um, and I like product. So product plan is not something you would actually manage your products in, right? Like mm-hmm. your projects, you you would still need to have a Jira, ClickUp, or whatever it is that you use. Um, but product plan does a great job of kind of showing that roadmap. It's easy to update. So it is an external kind of thing that you have to manage on top of wherever your day-to-day project management is going on. But um, but it does, it, it's a easy to use and it's a clean, nice look that, you know, gets good buy-in from, from leadership. I can speak to that because Heather's done it for us. So that was a tool you introduced us to um, and helped us do our own management and our own prioritization, which is hard because I want to do lots of things. And while I can do roadmaps for clients, it's really hard to do it for myself because I want everything. So thank you. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I've never used product plan, but we use product pad. um, Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that connected quite a lot of customer feedback. And we took that feedback, turned it into like problems, and then those problems were fed into different teams. So I was I was SEO Insights. I was also on like the the, the the core platform team, and then moved across to SEO Insights. And then there was like different other product squads. But yeah, it all kind of I know I know what you mean by the the product a product plan style thing where you you're bucketing things and just it's just kind of helping map out the the roadmap to each team. Um, SEO is not happening, which I'm. I'm Sometimes worried about. I'm actually using uh, Notion or Trello to kind of replicate those. I use I use I don't know if you use this, but then like now next later kind of formula format in terms of what we're working on next, what's coming up. Because this is my next question. I find that chip plans change all the time <laughs> with, with with clients, uh, and I've been shouted of shouted at enough at Deepcrawl when we didn't hit deadlines because. Deadlines are, are, really, are just, you can't really say things are going to get done at this time because engineering's predictions are hard. So, in terms of you and your roadmaps, and both Tori and Heather, in terms of the roadmaps you've presented to clients or you've done in the past, have you found that in product teams they continuously change and dead, things like deadlines just seem silly because either they they never get hit or <laughs> they never they never result in when things are going to get hit? How did you, well, two questions. How did you? How did you communicate changes or did changes happen? And then how did you manage that estimation? Because I'm interested in in that as well, because it's something I think everybody struggles with if you work in a tech team. Um, I mean, it shifts all the time. I mean, time timelines especially. I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a project hit an actual timeline. And like, there's just things, you know, there's bugs that come up and there's unexpected things that happen. Um, you know, it's easier if it's just here's what we want to build to grow SEO. But I think we're also often handling complicated situations like migrations. So sometimes it's, oh, crap, we ran into this thing. It has nothing to do with y'all, but we're going to be two months delayed. So now figure it out. Or it's, you know, hey, you you didn't actually listen to the technical specs and you didn't actually follow them. Classic. And they now it's built 
slightly wrong. And now we have to go back to the drawing and it's going to take time to fix that. Right. Or now that you're so deep into it, we have to figure out how do we work around it because the ROI just isn't there to fix it um, because we need to launch quickly or all of those kinds of challenges. For me, um, it's really, I'm more of a stickler to my roadmap um, and in the short term, right? So if, um, if we've set it and set it, then it's getting done. But um, so I try to, and this is where the weighted shortest job first really helps because it helps you break down, you know, projects into these smaller pieces and stuff. So you can have more quick wins. So you're really focused on your MVP, getting that out the door. Um, I don't like having a bunch of projects running at the same time that are just always 50% done, 40% done, and then none of them are actually getting done. So I try to keep it very, very focused on, okay, we know our capacity, we know what we're able to do, we should be able to, you know, roll these things out. And so if, when people try to sneak things onto the my roadmap, and they try to, you know, overstuff our development and protective of that no you know we have a process obviously things are going to come up emergencies happen or you know new needs or a new you know technology has come out something like that so things are definitely flexible there is agile to it um but but there is also a certain you are the protector of getting stuff done right and so um so i always communicate with clients as much as possible that Anything you see on the roadmap more than six months out is still just a wish list, right? Like it's still, here's our plans. Here's, you know, it's flexible time. But I, I, I go back to what the those lanes are and what those themes are. Okay. You know, we really know that we need to focus right now on growth. And so we are going to release at least, you know, these three things that are related to growth or whatever it is. So I try to focus on what are the overall concepts of my roadmap when I'm communicating it, what are the overall themes? And then that way it gives flexibility too. that. If I don't get to do giant project X, I can do a couple of, you know, small Y, small Z, and we're still making a measurable, measurable difference. And we're still hitting that roadmap because we're still addressing what that overall concept um, and goal is that we're going for. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I'm with you. Well, yeah. So, so six months out, it's an idea. No, like learn a deep crawl unless they, the devs dig into the code, like predicting something is, 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 is basically just this fantasy really, uh, unless they've done it before or, you know, somebody's really, really sure of the got consultant in. And they know what, what the technology is like. Like, um, I, uh, uh, this, you know, or, you know, like how how information and themes and things get get fed into the backlog, right? Hoovered in, um, and that that wall is the is the roadmap, and then yeah, we break things down. But yeah, no, it it not not exactly like me, which is good, but. And you're also that product manager's like, you said you do it in three months or it's like, it's coming to the deadline. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had a senior product manager who did that. Like the day before the dev was like, oh, we can't do this. And it's like, uh, 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 big product launch tomorrow. Mm -mm -mm. You got to do the thing when you said you do, holding you accountable. Like we talked about it. I give you all the all the road, uh, road you need. You need to deliver it. <laughs> you sound like that product manager, which is, I've, I've seen those product managers and they're, uh, they're fun. Um, <laughs> Not for the dev team, though, but they're fun. So, yeah, no, a, a big part of why I you know, want to stick to that short-term roadmap as much as possible is because I'm really big into the showcase your work, right? How you get buy-in from other people is proof that you're doing it. And so when something is releasing, I mean, even going back to when you're planning, I showcase what I'm planning. It's never a secret. Everybody's included. Um, you know, then when something's releasing, you want to hold, you know, maybe a Q&A session about it. You want to present it and get Q&A from either your, you know, your customers or internal users, whoever you're presenting it to. So it's always about like, let's continuously release, make release notes look nice make them funny, make them, you know, entertaining because you want people to read them. Um, and present, present what you're doing. And so that's why if you keep that short-term 
roadmap really, you know, kind of solid of we're going to release, release, release. It keeps that bus moving, even though, you know, in the background, you're working on so many other things and other priorities are coming up and some things do get put on hold, you know, and some things change that forward facing view is going to be where release, release, release. And we have all these, you know, successes coming out. So it's an important part of the whole process. You can't let the, and, and I've been in situations where 80% of the roadmap is stalled for whatever reason, because too much got stuffed into it, you know, and that's not a good look. <laughs> Simplicity is hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I completely understand exactly what you're saying because yeah, I've I've seen it. I've I've also had to remove things from a roadmap because uh, it's just it, yeah. It, it seems like a good idea at the time, and then you're like those initiatives <laughs> just just too much. So yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in terms of, I just want to spend a few more minutes focusing on product, and then we'll move on to to SEO because SEO is this thing probably want to hear some SEO. Um, but in terms of, I'm really interested actually about two more things. So one, in terms of communicating your tickets, your ideas to devs, okay? How have you both handled that, both at, at Craftsy as a product manager all those years? And Heather, how have you managed that? I know you've talked about technical documents. I want to just understand that from your point of view, and then I'll, 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 I'll maybe explain it from my point of view as well. Yeah. So, I mean, well-written scope documents are everything. Um, so for me, I, like I said, from, from the beginning, I get people involved, right? It's never a secret what I'm working on. Those business cases are published wherever. So you see what my future ideas are, right? Cause I'll have business cases built out for a year out, right? The, and these are the ideas that are on the roadmap that are not hard yet, but these are what what we think we need at this moment in the future. Um, so that's always shared and presented at regular intervals. Um, but when it comes to working with the dev team, you know, I included everybody in my scope documents and my technical requirements, uh, starting with, obviously you're going to have design, uh, help you with mocks and things like that for, um, for whatever it is that you need help. But, I would sit down with the full, you know, engineering team, even our QA team, um, and review that scope document in great detail. I would create a presentation that showed them what our competitors are doing, what it looks like elsewhere, what industry leaders are doing, or, you know, maybe where I got the ideas from. It's bits and pieces of, of these other sources. So I would have that presentation that shows them that I would really go over the why you know, why are we doing this? What What is the expected outcome? How will it affect our, our customers? You know, how will it affect search? Things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, show them exactly, okay, and this is how I expect it to be built. You know, what the flow has to be, what it has to look like, what, you know, what has to happen. And including, you know, dev and QA in that why part and the visual part it gives them buy-in. It gives them ownership. They know what they're building. There's too many times where there's that disconnect of a dev team's building something and they're like, this is stupid. You know, you never want a developer working on your project thinking in his head, this is stupid. So make sure they know the why. Um, and then for QA, QA is phenomenal at, you know, being your naysayer and being like, well, that's going to break this. Or what about this? Or, you know, they know the system inside and out. So they're raising those red flags before my Jira tickets even submitted. So that to me was, you know, gold and just making sure that everybody has that buy-in, they understand the project, they know what they're going for. And it opens up the communication with me, right? So if you, if you hit any sort of little thing or question during this process, nobody feel afraid to call me and be like, what was this about? You know, can you explain that part again? Or if they have an idea of how to do it differently, you know, that all gets done before that actually goes into their, you know, into their spread and on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let Tori, Tori tell her, to her, tell her story as well. Cause I've got a lot about that. Yeah. Go on, Tori. There's so many juicy things. Um, yeah. I'd say mine was relatively similar. It starts with, 
problem or opportunity identification. Either that's me, her SEO, owning that and really learning to write SQL and figuring out how to present that data and shop that around. A lot of times it was also marketing saying, I want X. Um, and then it comes to a lot of collaboration with both engineering and sometimes marketing, because a lot of times that's the classic mistake of build me X and maybe X doesn't actually accomplish what you were hoping for. So starting with the why and what, what you want the outcome to be, and then collaborating with engineering on that solution. So they do have ownership and they get that and they're bought in along the path. Um, you know, really attempting to explore and select that solution and shop that around to the stakeholders and, and help them understand um, and make sure it does actually meet requirements. Um, and then a lot, of, a lot of clear documentation with a lot of clear acceptance criteria and building. That's how it worked for us. Yeah, so I've learned this over like four years. So I like started four years ago as a PM and I had to learn this, but the written documentation is super important, but the discovery, it's called discovery for SEOs listening, um, Heather, and, Heather and Tori are nodding, but discovery is where you, next to delivery, you discovering the next thing in the roadmap that you're building. And you're and basically there's, and, I, and I've learned this from collaboration with devs, designers, UX, content, marketing, Every, I, I think of it as everyone's got like a golden piece of nugget in their head. This like If it's a jigsaw puzzle, everyone's got a piece in their head, right? And you all come together and there's things that people will miss. Devs, you, the designer, the UX person. And even, I'm working with a client right now and we're delivering this this feature. And the business, we have like weekly anchor points, like I call them anchor points, but weekly meetings with the uh, internal team because it's kind of building a little internal feature right now but it's going to be more external later on and they can point things out that you just even with all of the like documentation in the like 100 page documentation you wouldn't be able to pick up because it's just so i don't know it's just it i, I went to um do you have, you've probably heard of the design sprint the the five day uh, like intense, we did it at Deepcrawl, I, I ran one and I met the Jake, really tall guy. Um, but he, I just learned that through those workshops and through those events, there's just so much information that you need to shift through. With it, And that's what the specification, specification document is doing. It's helping everybody visualize and build up the shared mentor model. Um, and the other thing is user story mapping, which I don't know if, you, if you've done, but you, yeah, they're both nodding. Yeah. User story yep. mapping is... Yeah. <laughs> is a super useful technique because that points things out. Oh, we, like I actually did one once with a team and they were like, oh yeah, and then the content person and puts this here and I'm like, okay, where does the content person in this user journey map know where to like go? Where do they come in? And they didn't realize that the person had the permission to do, to, to like the content. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just like, you're so focused on your part. You don't, User story mapping is so, so good to kind of step back and do discovery, right? Right. Uh, but obviously for, for, for big, maybe for big projects. But anyway, I'm, yeah, the, the the collaboration with the devs, I don't think people understand, and I really like that, Heather, you said that, the documentation is really about you getting your stuff together, put it politely, and then sh get that feedback in to shift through it to really narrow down. And it's really, it's really about, it's really about reducing risk, right? You're reducing that risk of, like you said, you don't want the dev to be like, yeah, this doesn't work. <laughs> We're halfway through okay. building it. <laughs> That's what you're trying to reduce, right? Right. Um, okay. Last last few minutes of, well, last 15 minutes of this. Let's talk about SEO. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, the Grey Dot Company. Mm -hmm. um, now, you now obviously, you've, you've got Heather and you do, I know you from, from talks and blog posts. You do so many awesome technical and content-related data projects. So just take us through how you're using all of that experience, like, you know, a wealth of experience. How are you taking it now and using an SEO and applying what you've learned in product to SEO? Mm -hmm. um, juicy question. So, I mean, SEO wise, it's a lot of what have we learned? What's gone wrong? What? Where was the juice not worth the squeeze? Where, where do we not want to, you know, or where have we just hit 
um, communication blocks and how do we get in front of that. But as, like product-wise, I think it's more interesting because that's something new and growing relatively in our industry. You know, SEO has been going on for a long time, but the SEO product manager is relatively new in the evolution of SEO. And what we do overall is either help launch SEO um, product management programs or help fold into their existing ones. So there's often um, an embedded engineering team and they already have product managers and they're already, you know, somewhere on their journey to being good and great at that. And we, it's a lot about translating how that works for marketing because for feature development, it seems more straightforward, but even for product managers and business owners, like, wait, how does this work for marketing? How can marketing be agile is a slightly different problem. So how do we give them the framework for how to approach that? And how do we fit the same systems in? Um, So specifically we have hit, you know, we've hit these bumps in the road. We have learned to navigate and or avoid them. So that's one of the, the key things we do. We work hard to avoid fires through quality QA. You know, at Craftsy, we had weekly releases. So things were just always working and we had to learn to get good at QA and to, um, you know, inevitably things will break anyway. So how do you build your processes to make sure you can find those quickly through monitoring? Um, it's, it's a lot about working effectively with engineering, which has always been my strong suit. You know, learning to, to put together a roadmap and learning to have a strategy and, and really communicate that to executive and engineering teams. Like that was my learning curve. But I've always enjoyed talking to and learning um, with engineering teams. So bringing that empathy, bringing that understanding of their tools, their processes, how, how do we work through that? Um, a lot of it is helping quantify the why and the what. So how do we translate that for engineering so that they do get that buy-in? But at the end of the day, what we want to do is really help them have a team. You know, this is not just like an SEO. SEO is so multifaceted and there's so many little slivers of disciplines of all these things that you need to know. So really, do you want to hire a team or rent a team and get to work with us who can work alongside your marketing team or SEO team is a very common model for us for how do you get this done in this way and be, you know, better and faster and more effective at that. Anything to add, Heather? Yeah, no, I I think you covered a lot of it just to kind of build on what you said. I think, you know, with SEO product management, it's really about you know, an SEO and product management as, you know, separate roles are roles that touch every department, right? They're not something that can function by themselves. And so I'm, um, so really being that bridge of let's, you know, pull SEO out of just being under the marketing team, because we really need to embed with the engineering team to get things done. We do need to see what you're going to release before you release it to make sure that your structured data is there, that, you know, nothing's broken, you know, there's not a, suddenly a bunch of redirects or something unexpected. Um, so being a part of that, because I saw actually on Search Engine Land an article that said something along the lines of, you know, whether you like it or not, your developers are working on your SEO, you know, and whether they know it or not, right? Uh, and so so to be a part of that um that engineering process and saying, okay, I need to insert myself here to make sure that we don't hit those fires. And that whatever you are building and whatever you are working on, we're making sure that it's optimized for, you know, the search crawlers just as much as it is for the end user. Um, And then the only thing to add, you know, kind of building off of that is, um, is that, buy-in of getting that space on the roadmap, right? So, you know, now that you're kind of involved in the, let's work on what you're already working on and optimize the features that you're already doing, making sure your releases are safe, you know, now let's reserve some some of those hours or story points on the roadmap for SEO. So you'll have your own, you know, as at Grade Out, we'll have our own SEO roadmap for a client. But we need to get some of those things into their roadmap and on their schedule. So it's really about, you know, making sure that we are scoping it out, that we, you know, can provide the technical details so they can take it and run with it and release it. The more I can do on my end where they don't have to vet it, they don't have to build their own user stories, they don't have to, you know, 
put down what their own acceptance criteria is, whatever it is, more that I can do to deliver it is in a ready to build state, then the more likely we are to get, get that space. Talked um, both there a lot about like, like user stories, which SEO's listing is a, is a ticket, uh, a dev ticket, um, acceptance criteria. I know, you, I know for me, acceptance criteria is, is incredibly important. Do you, do you, can you give examples or or give some uh, guidelines on how your team writes acceptance criteria for user stories for SEO tickets to make them a bit more effective? Um, um I mean, it's, it's pretty general in that, you know, you're going to go through the, you know, requirements doc of what needs to happen. And so for each kind of major area in that requirements, what is the expected outcome? What is the result? So, you know, if I is adding, you know, new structured data throughout. So the acceptance criteria would obviously be that the correct fields are matching, you know, prices where it's price, categories where it's category, things like that, you know, making sure that, you know, everything's there. I try to be as detailed as possible. I basically take my requirements and rewrite it as then I expect to see. And it's, you know, this is what I'll be testing and checking for. And so it's almost like stating it all over again um, of just what what that end result should look like. Building your own testing plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a trick that I, I picked up um, from, from product training was, uh, it was a book called Specification by Example. It was, it was randomly in some resource in product training and I picked it up because I wanted to learn everything I could. And it's basically what you're saying there about creating your own testing plan. But the trick is apparently, and I've used it since, and every dev I've used it with is, is always been in, impressed by it. And, and I've written about it on my, on my newsletter. I don't know if you've seen, but basically using examples as your, like the output is this, what it looks like, like here's a, here's a design or here's a piece of, S, piece of SEO data in a table or, or something. But once it's implemented, and I've always found that combined with your acceptance criteria makes it quite, not bulletproof, but like, risk risk proof in terms of they're releasing right. something and it's not exact because there's always there's always going to be that time when they release something and isn't it, you know it's a defect in terms of actually you're not done the thing that we've asked but i've always found since i've done that i've not i've not had a bigger because there's been some there's been some defects in the past uh i've always found that it's 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 pretty solid and and you actually write specifications around examples as well it keeps it all aligned right on what you're expecting Anyway, yeah, that, I mean, what, what you've just said is what I do. I just add that, just sprinkle in some, some examples. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the initial, like, showcase of the feature when I am showcasing and I have the examples and I have all that stuff. I always include that stuff in my ticket. There's more in there than you ever want to see, but my entire research process, my, you know, <laughs> all the data I've collected, that will be available in the ticket for you should you want to look at that. You know, I mean, the more information you share with everybody on where this is coming from and why the, the better. So, yeah. Last few questions, because I'm conscious of your time. Um, so question one is you talked then again about align, you know, we talked about those, those three buckets and aligning it with the business in great in generally, but also in the greater company. How have you, how do you find it doing that externally with clients? Is it, is it difficult in, in certain organizations than others? Do you find that there are things that you can do to, help align those buckets with roadmaps and SEO into those roadmaps? Um, so one of the things that, you know, is unique doing it on, you know, the consulting and agency side versus being in-house is you don't have entire invis visibility into what their business goals are. Um, so they'll tell you what their goals for you and in their relationship with you are. So you have to kind of work with that. But pay attention to the conversations, pay attention to, because sometimes that stuff comes out and you're like, oh, wait, you guys are actually focusing on X, Y, Z. Here's what, you know, really being proactive in listening to the client and what they are working on with you and outside of their work with you. When they mention things, you'll hear teams be like, oh, and that project, and you're like, wait, what? Um, so just really paying attention um, and getting involved with them as much as you can 
build yeah. that up. So it's a lot of asking good questions and also, you know, whoever it is internally that owns the relationship with you, really arming them with the information. Like, hey, if you hear that people are making, you know, this change to the homepage and they're going to be like redesign, I want to talk to them. Are they implementing JavaScript? Are they, where are the changes happening and what is changing so that they know, oh, I heard this word. I'm going to call Grey Dot because something's happening here and we need to, to be on top of it. So I, I think it's all of those things combined to really, it, it's a learning process for for a lot of new clients. Yeah, no, I I, um, I call it SEO discovery. You know, the, the, the product discovery kind of movement that I don't know if it's happening with like product teams, like you have to just do discovery, which is basically just agile, um, but basically listening to customers and, and, and listening to, know what is important and identifying quickly what it is you should be building i find like i call it seo discovery in a company it's like you've just said you have to listen you have to pay attention to the right when people say things and you have to sometimes shut up and and just not have to splurge loads of information at people it's about i learned that in deep crawl i just i just i just schedule meetings with and i learned this from the cd product then pm just schedule meetings with like like departments heads of departments and just let them take you through their what are they doing? What What's their priority? What are they, you know, and you learn to pick these things up. I learned from just shutting up and listening. It's, it's, yes. a, good, it's a skill that not many people <laughs> understand is really important. To It's true. Um, Even I starting out, you know, would be like, okay, let me tell you all my SEO knowledge, you know, like yeah, yeah. here's all the things that you need to be doing. And like, you just feel like, okay, that's what consulting is. I just dump all of this knowledge on you. Uh, and no, it's, it's definitely more about, about listening to where they're at, what their needs are and finding what works, fitting, fitting in with the client. You're going to be more successful yeah. than trying to just push whatever outside agenda you have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Right. Last question. And then I'll let you both go off because I'm sure you're very busy by the sounds of it. Um, if one well, of the top three things it skills you to learn being in product, what were, the, what were those things? If you just joined and you're like <laughs> helping you younger self through through mm-hmm. product, what would be your top three things, top three skills? On my end, it's, you know, I, I think about and frame this a little bit from what I wish I personally had learned earlier. Um, you know, there are things that I was naturally better at, just like anyone. Um, so, you know, I, I was good at working cross-functionally. I was good at building trust, but the data analysis piece is really, really critical and something I think SEOs on the whole undervalue. So how can you take this data? How can you use it to storytell and help pull together, you know, what, what you want to do and why it's meaningful and what impact that will have on the business. So learning to quant everything and then using that for prioritization. Um, It'd also be communication, which is something that I always worked on and was always, you know, I can figure out what to do, but how to really connect those dots to, but this is the business objective and here's how this supports that business objective and really, really telling that story. And then the next level of that to me, which again is important to communication is really learning to tailor your story to the person based on their goals, their needs, and their background and the language that they use, and even the format that they want it in. Because if I'm going to deliver something to an engineering manager, it probably is going to be a different format and tell a slightly different story that's meaningful to them versus an executive team member, because they have different needs. So communication isn't just about figuring out how to talk, it's figuring out how to talk to specific people and meet their needs. For me, um, it's really been about focusing on the MVP, um, you know, making sure that you're not letting, you know, good enough be the enemy of perfect. Uh, good enough is good enough. Um, so it just really getting out there, what needs to get out there, not focusing on that, you know, okay, you know, going back to the structured data example, we're going to, you know, implement structured data and it's going to, for our products, going to have all 25 fields or whatever it is that you could possibly have and it's going to be mapped and if that field's empty this is going to happen and if this you could go on and on for days with criteria of making it perfect right it doesn't need to be perfect uh getting it out there and live is most of the time more beneficial than continuing to build it to perfection um so that is definitely something that earlier on, I wish I had known as well as, um, 
just uh, going back to the showcase your work at every opportunity. Uh, hold your town halls, hold your Q and A's, you know, make your release notes fun. Um, definitely communicate as much as you can. Don't get stuck head down at your desk trying to get things out the door and not telling anybody about it. Um, and then the third thing would just be insert yourself everywhere, you know, so you are in a role as SEO as product management, both of them need to be a part of pretty much every team that um, that's at your at your organization. So don't worry about stepping on toes. You know, if there's a project that you want to get done, do 90% of it if you can deliver it to the person who's executing and they'll get it done for you. And then it's a win for you both. Or, you know, on the flip side, if you're talking to people in other departments all of the time, then you catch wind of what they're working on, catch wind of their priorities. And if you can tack on a little win of your own to whatever it is they're already working on, then that's, it's going to get done faster. It's going to be successful for both of you. So always just kind of be understanding you know what other people are doing and insert yourself there and build off of that rather than um rather than trying to just be heads down doing it yourself yeah agree with agree with well i agree with all everything you've said because that's that's what you have that, that everything everything you, you both just said would have got one i would wish i knew four years ago when i started in product so thank you thank you so much cool well Amazing, both of you. I know you're really busy, so we're, we're going to go. But yeah, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you so much for, for joining this podcast. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. It's been fun. Cool. Uh, 